A Guinness World Record holder joins the American Valor Podcast. Marine Corps Reserve Major Chad Lennon deployed to Afghanistan in 2010 and received the Purple Heart and Navy Marine Corps Achievement Medal for his service. Major Lennon has a master's degree in secondary education and teaching, as well as a doctor of law degree from the Toro College Law Center, where he is currently the director of the Veterans and Service Members Rights Clinic. Chad is also a community athlete for the Semper Fi Fund, an advisor to the Bob Feller Active Valor Award Foundation. In today's episode, Major Lennon speaks about his service within the active duty and reserve components of the Marine Corps, as well as his decision to attend law school. Also hear Chad's thoughts on the Marine Corps slogan, Semper Fi, meaning always faithful. We welcome Major Chad Lennon to the American Valor Podcast. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. If you will, uh, please tell us your story. So uh, I've had uh, a lot of different jobs. Uh, I recently uh, have the directorship, as you've uh, discussed. I was also a prosecutor in uh, Suffolk County, in New York, for a little bit. Prior to that, I had my first job in law as a defense attorney when I was working down in Maryland. Uh, I was also a mixed martial arts instructor for a while. I worked in the uh, construction unions in New York City. I did some student teaching, uh, so I bounced around a little bit. And during all that, I've also been active duty in the Marine Corps as well as a reservist. And I've gotten my bachelor's degree, master's degree, uh, my law degree, and just trying different activities. And along the way, I've also got involved with the Semper Five Fund as well as with the foundation, the Bob Feller Active Valor Foundation. So how did you get started with the military? What, what led you to the Marines? I've always been interested in the military since I was a, a young child. I remember I used to see military members in uniform walking around, would try to talk to them, get their picture. And even one time I was at a Denny's or an IHOP or something with my parents when I was about eight. And I believe it was uh, Air Force well, came in to have a, a seat, have something to eat. And I went over and asked for their autograph and they gave me one of the patches. And I still have that today, which was a really cool thing to do uh, for someone at, at a young age. So my father was in the Navy, um, my uncles were in the Army, and as I grew up, I just became more and more interested in the military. Uh, I did research the uh, four branches of the Department of Defense. I tried to talk to all different recruiters, and something just drew me to the Marine Corps. Uh, I wanted a challenge. I wanted to be part of the elite fighting force, and uh, that's what kind of drew me into the Marine Corps, and I've uh, been going ever since. How did you decide to go to law school? What was that process like? So in uh, 2010, I was in Afghanistan. Uh, one of my friends was there, and we were talking one day about different thoughts what we were going to do in our future. One of his thoughts was maybe going to law school part-time at night, and uh, that's what initially put that thought in my head. So we discussed that a little bit. Uh, I came home, and I read an article in The Economist about how, at the time, the president, the vice president, members of Congress and the Senate, all these decision-makers um, a lot of them had law degrees, and I thought to myself, well, these are the decision makers. I want to understand the process of how they come to decisions. And uh, I said, you know what, let's go take the LSAT, which is the, uh, the test you need to take prior to going to law school. And I took that while I was in California. Then I moved out to New York when I separated from active duty. I had a tough time finding a job for a while, and eventually I said to myself, hey, we need to do something here. Um, the job's not looking great to hundreds of jobs, just couldn't get through somewhere. And eventually I said, let's go to law school. So I applied to uh, several law schools in the area. 
I got accepted, got a scholarship with uh, Toro Law Center, and as well, I was using the post-911 GI Bill. And initially, I was going to go part-time and try to do something working as well. But I said, you know what, let's go full-time. Let's go for it. Um, and just hit the ground running from there. I was able to finish law school in two and a half years. I went to school during the summertime, uh, loaded myself up with credits just to knock it out, and uh, just been moving on with the law career since then. How big of an influence would you say A Few Good Men was in your decision? <laughs> you know, that's, that's one of the uh, – uh, favorite movies as well, my cousin Vinny. So got to quote that all the time. <laughs> so now that you're uh, practicing law, how does that compare to your military service and just the experiences and the the different lifestyle? So initially, when I went to law school, I understood it was a heavy workload. I didn't realize how heavy it would be until I'm in the middle of it, going, "Oh my God, it's 11 o'clock at night. I haven't stopped going to school and studying all day." So it's a lot of focus. It's a lot of time management. And on top of that, you know, I was a, a reservist as well. And I had duties as an officer to make sure I'm taking care of my Marines and uh, taking care of myself. So the military helped a foundation of time management and putting that focus. And that definitely helped. Uh, there are some students who go to school, law school, master's degrees, bachelor's, whatever you, it is. And they don't really have focus in class or kind of goofing off. But you can really get a lot out of just sitting in class and listening to professors and you can get a lot done when you have a time schedule set of, okay, here's my time to relax. Here's my time to do whatever it needs to manage my stress levels. And here's the time I need to buckle down and do the work and get it done. Do you think that that's something that you learned in your time in the Marines? Yes. I was always been organized, but it helped mold my time management and organization skills as well. Going through uh, officer candidate school, I didn't go through boot camp. That's how the enlisted initially start. Officers go through uh, officer candidate school. So during my time in officer candidate school, uh, you have a packed schedule. Um, the schedule is pretty much made for you. And I, could, I guess you could say it's the easiest time you're going to have uh, in the military because everyone's just telling you where to go and what to do. But it helps that foundation of, okay, the time management is there. You're up at zero five, sometimes earlier, sometimes a little later, but let's say zero five, you're up and you're going all morning, all afternoon, all night, but you're accomplishing things. You're getting things done. And you can take that into the civilian world as a career, as, as school, as both, and really succeed from having that foundation through the military. What type of advice would you give someone who's considering, um, really any branch of the military, whether it's active duty or reserves, what would you tell someone? I would say talk to all four branches of the military, um, how, how they have different opportunities uh, for you to serve. Every branch has a different type of mission set. Um, we all come together for one mission set, you know, protect the nation. Um, but there's different roles you can play, uh, what you want to put into it. Uh, so I would say talk to all four branches, see what they have to say, do some research on it, as well as for the active and reserve. Uh, you know, there's, there's different possibilities of what you can accomplish in both. And it's really what works best for you, what you're trying to put into it, what you're trying to accomplish, what your situation is. There's um, Marines right now who have gone directly into the reserves and haven't been on active duty. So my suggestion is always get out there, get active right away, get on orders right away to get more experience with it especially since you're in that mindset of you've gone through boot camp, gone through MCT, you've gone through your MOS producing school, 
So you're right in the middle of it. And before you really start getting a little more settled with your civilian life, get out on orders, get that experience, and then you can come back and start getting everything in order. And it's the same as if you're active duty and going into the reserve, there's always going to be a transition uh, point. But for me, uh, I separated from active duty. I loved my time. And the reserves was great because I can continue to serve. I wanted to serve in different roles. I love the Marine Corps. I love the military. I love doing it as a reservist. And I love doing it active duty. But just uh, my decision at the time was to separate from active duty and go towards the reserve uh, component. But it's everyone's individual decision what works best for them. But definitely do the research and see what everyone has to offer and what you have to offer them. So you've taken your background within the Marines and um, with your education at law school into your current position. How are you helping servicemen and women uh, through your background with the military and in the law? I think it's that veteran to veteran connection. Uh, No one knows a veteran better than another veteran is one of the, the sayings that goes around. And I didn't really understand what kind of role veterans in law played until I got into law school. In the position I have now as director of the Veterans and Service Members Rights Clinic, I was a student in the clinic and I was also a fellow in the clinic. So that's where I really learned more and more about. There is a small area of law, but you can really do a lot to help veterans and service members. And right now in our clinic, we don't just do veterans law, which is uh, working with the VA on benefits, um, going to the Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims, but in the community where I am in Suffolk County, New York, it's the largest population of veterans in the state. And in some studies, it's highest number two in the country. So there's a big population here. We're the only law school in Suffolk County. And it's suburban, but can be rural too. So driver's licenses can be an issue. Sometimes service members get a ticket without realizing it. Let's say a red light ticket, and they get deployed. All of a sudden, they don't show up. Their license is suspended. The next time they come home and they get pulled over, they could be getting arrested because they have a misdemeanor of driving a suspended license. They had no idea. So we help to alleviate those issues, uh, landlord tenant issues. It's a whole variety of, of different issues within the law. And I think that's what's so unique and special about our clinic here for our students too, is saying you're not just going to be working with veterans law. You can be working with all types of law and you get to meet a lot of different personalities. You get to hear a lot of different stories because it's not just, Iraq, Afghan vets that we're working with, we're working with Vietnam veterans, Korean veterans, the whole gamut of different generations. And it's a great opportunity. And our primary clientele is homeless or at risk of homeless veterans, but we're never gonna turn a veteran away. If we can't handle that veteran's case at the clinic, my goal is to give them at least one point of contact. I'd love to give them three points of contact of someone to speak to another organization that can handle their situation. But my goal is to directly help veterans and service members or put them directly in contact with someone who will do that for them. You're also a community athlete for the Semper Fi Fund in which you recently just became a Guinness World Record holder. Tell us a little bit about that experience. So uh, I got a little bit of inspiration from uh, David Goggins. He just came out with a book, Can't Hurt Me. I got the audio book and I've heard him on various podcasts. So I was interested in the audio book. And uh, his story was he was a uh, Air Force. Uh, then he went into the Navy. He was a SEAL and he came back from a deployment and he just went out and started running ultra marathons and marathons. And he did it to raise money for a foundation for a charity. And I was like, that's a great, great thing to do. 
I've always wanted to get involved with charities. And um, I just looked around. I spoke to a friend of mine who's still in the Marine Corps, and he runs uh, the Marine Corps Marathon to raise money for the Semper Five Fund. So talked to him about that, put me in contact with someone within the fund, and it's an amazing foundation. It was started by spouses of service members in 2003. They have the highest ratings for charities. So I said, you know, this is a great charity. What can I do to get involved? They had the community athlete program, and I was like, okay, there we go. That's what I want to do. Now, what am I going to do to help this foundation to raise awareness, to raise money for it? David Goggins went out and pushed himself to the limits, and I was like, that's what I need to do. I need to push myself more and more every day. Let's do that. Now, I've been working out at a Gridiron Gym in Mineola, New York, for over a decade, back when I was doing mixed martial arts. And one unique thing they have with their high-intensity training is you can pull chains, you can flip tires. Uh, with all different types of workouts. So I said, you know what? There's 300, 400, 600 pound chains. Let's take the 400 pound chain and let's try to go farther than anybody has. And I did some research and I said, you know what? Let's go two miles. So I'm going to drag this chain for two miles and do it to raise awareness and money. And I said, you know what? Let's see if we can do a world record out of it. I'll just throw the idea out there, the Guinness World Record. Put the uh, application in. And a few weeks later, they come back and go, hey, how about you do fastest one mile at the 400 pound chain and we'll just say you have to do it in under 90 minutes all right roger that let's do it so that was uh the challenge i went out and said let's get this done and i just started training for it i did research i couldn't find anything close to um, pulling a chain closest i saw was someone took 100 pounds for one mile and i think they might have done it in 40 minutes or so i forget what exactly the time was but I'm taking 400 pounds. They had 100 pounds. So what am I going to do uh, to do this? And it was just kind of winging it with my trainer. But I would go out every Saturday pulling the chain. At first, it was just 15 minutes. And I worked myself up to pulling it for an hour. And, uh, you know, we, it's a great time. We, we raised $6,000 for the fund, which was tremendous. Um, got some uh, publications out there of, hey, let's uh, – you know, come out and support this foundation. So people I work with, I have worked with, friends, family donated, and we went out and uh, pulled that chain for one mile, and I uh, knocked that out in 63 minutes and 18 seconds and, and set the record and putting all the submissions into Guinness. Some media came out there, made some news with it, so it was a great time. I was able to raise the awareness for the Semper Fi Fund, raise some money for them, and I'm going to try to continue doing that moving forward. Congratulations on the world record, Chad, for a great cause like the Simper Five Fund. What can our listeners do to support uh, organizations that support servicemen and women? Definitely do the research. You know, I've been saying it before, but uh, unfortunately, there are some charities out there that will take advantage of you. But that's why you have to do the research into it. Talk to people. Um, you know, Simper Five Fund. Uh, I got the name from a friend. You know, I did my research on them. Outstanding ratings. But that's what you have to do. Just see what's in your community, too. The Semper Five Fund is a national organization, but it doesn't have to be national. It can be your local communities. Maybe there's a charity to help um, local service members or whatever your cause is. But see what's out there. See what you want to get involved in because there are a lot of options. And um, we can do a lot of good for our communities by going out there and raising awareness and, and money and, and donating our time as well. We ask everyone, what is your definition of valor? But in addition to that, I want to ask you, what does the phrase Semper Fi mean to you? Always faithful. Always faithful to the core, to your Marines, to yourself. 
So um, Semper Fi is Semper Fidelis. We all say Semper Fi to each other as Marines. We've all been through boot camp and, and OCS and training, MOS schools, um, exercises, deployments, and you have to support the Marines to your left and to your right. And you have to do everything you can to, to help each other out to succeed because it really depends upon everyone in your team. You know, whether it's a platoon, a company, a battalion, the Marine Corps as a whole, you need to support each other to ensure that the mission is accomplished and everybody comes home safe. Uh, and I take that into everything that I do, faithful to whoever I'm working with. If it's at the position I'm at now, I got to be faithful to my clientele, uh, the staff attorneys, um, the, the students, and we have to do everything we can to help each other because it really is a team. No one's going to sit there by themselves and do everything by themselves. And it's the same thing with the foundation. I'm lucky enough to be involved with it and just support everyone in the foundation to accomplish our mission. Chad Lennon, we thank you for joining us on the American Valor podcast to talk a little bit about your background in the Marines and um, practicing law and how you're helping servicemen and women in various ways uh, today. So we're, we're thankful that you're involved with the foundation and we're glad that you were able to join us today. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the American Valor podcast from the Bob Feller Act of Valor Award Foundation. This has been brought to you by the Angels Touch Publishing Company, the publisher of Walk of Heroes, Profiles of Valor. You can receive a copy of this book on the 37 National Baseball Hall of Famers who served in the United States military during World War II in the bio to this podcast episode. You can follow the Bob Feller Foundation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Act of Valor Award to receive updates on Bob Feller Foundation news and initiatives including the American Valor Podcast. We will talk to you next time when we are joined by a member of the Cincinnati Reds Big Red Machine and an active member in his community, Mr. Doug Flynn.